Uh, how many of you watched the, uh, the email that went out this week, the video that we sent out? Uh, Jimmy put that together. Jimmy Gunderman, thank you for doing that, bro. Uh, yeah, if we're excited. Uh, we're excited this morning. I'm excited. You can see a bunch of people like me who are wearing blue shirts. Let me have the blue shirt people stand up real quick. Just the blue shirters. Can you stand up just real quick? All right. Yes. Yes. It says what it says. Turn, turn a life around. I can remember. Yeah, turn a life around. So this, so this week I, I shot a video and, and said in the video, hey, listen, come this Sunday because we're going to be unveiling a, a new ministry to you, to an unreached people group. And it's one of those things I want you to know where this is coming from. About five years ago when, when God began to stir in Randall and I this call to come and, and to launch Vintage 242 Church, to be honest with you, we were a little surprised that God called us here. The reason being was this. We love the nations. We, we've traveled a ton. I've, I've taken an entire passport, filled it up, added new pages to it, traveled the world, seen all sorts of things, done all sorts of things, preached to me. I've literally gone into villages who've never seen a white person before, who've never heard the name Jesus, and I've preached the gospel, right? And powerful, exciting stuff. And I have a heart for the nations, specifically I have a heart even for the 1040 window, especially the most unreached people in the entire world, right, who've never heard the gospel, never heard the Named Jesus, and it's the most populated, densely populated, and living the greatest poverty in the world, right? So we had this passion, we had this heart, we had this, this heart for the 1040 winners. So when God called us to you, <laughs> we were a little surprised, right? We were a little surprised because we said, God, we would go anywhere, we would do anything. So I pray, we pray together and said, All right, God, if you're sending us then here, then we're asking, because we'll continue, we'll continue to connect with, with those places as we have. But, Father, if you're going to send us here, then you need to give us, I'm asking for, an unreached people group in our community. In fact, I would sit with, uh, at the beginning of church, and I, I would say this to some of our people, and I don't even think they fully got that I really meant it that passionately, and even the heart behind it. But we would get together all these Tuesday morning prayer times, and these Thursday night prayer times. We would pray, God... Give us, we pray for the nations, we pray for home, we pray for the unreached people groups right next door, not really knowing who they were. And so we had opportunities, I would share the gospel with people, share the gospel with our neighbors, we baptized a bunch of our neighbors, it's been fantastic. But, but still praying, God, there's an unreached people, because there's someone, a group that you're calling us to, God, who is that? We're asking for it. And this morning, I get to unveil that to you. This Turn Your Life Around is connected with the ministry called Faith Bridge. Faith Bridge specifically came in and said, we believe that we want to redeem, we want to be invested into, we want to bring Jesus to the Department of Family and Children. This idea of children who are in defects, these children who are taken and plucked out of their homes because difficult things are happening, they're brought into this, this group home setting which is not great, or they're shipped out different group homes, and it's this difficult situation, difficult place. So Faith Bridge came and said, we, we want to champion this cause for this foster care crisis in our community. We want to take these children who are the most at risk children in our area who are an unreached people group. And we want to be Jesus to them and Jesus for them by bringing Christ focused, Christ centered homes, bringing those children and placing them in them and giving them hope in the moment of hopelessness. And so I sat down with uh, Gary and Joe and Aragon and Jimmy Gunderman specifically. And Melanie was watching the kids and, and, and they sat right over here and we began to pray and they began, they began to share, right? They began to share. They were passionate. They were passionate about what God was doing, what God was speaking. If you know Joanne and, and Gary and Jimmy, you know that they're just passionate people. They're, they, and they have a real heart for adoption, right? So do we. We'll get into that some, a little bit later. But, but they came talking about adoption and talking about these steps we could take towards that. And the piece that began to name was this faith bridge component, this foster care, this need that was happening in our own community. And they began to talk. And they began to talk, and it was just, they were passionate and excited. And as they began to talk, all of a sudden, I heard God's voice speak clearly. And he said, Steve, this is, this is the unreached people group. These are the at-risk ones. These are the ones that have no advocate. Listen, God loved the state. We, we do. We're thankful for the state. We're thankful for them literally going in and taking them out of a difficult situation. But listen, if you know anything about the work of the state... They are, if they are Christians, they are limited in what they can do as followers of Jesus. 
they are over, they are over, they're not, they're undermanned and, and overworked. And so there's not much that they can do. And so they have to then farm them out to different counties, different places. It's very, very difficult because there are not enough foster homes to actually bring these children in and in the moment protect them, fight for them, and give them a voice. And so God said, this is your call. This is the unreached people group that Vintage 242 Church is going to get behind. We are going to champion. We are going to love. Now, let me, hear, let, me, let, me, let me say this to you very clearly. When I say Vintage 242, I don't mean Randall and I and our staff. I don't mean the 10% that do 80% of the work around Vintage, right? Because you've heard that before in churches. I believe God is saying, I'm looking for the entire church 100% of them to find some level of investment into this call that I have for you to this unreached people. I want to share just a few things with you, just a few numbers to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. On any given day, about 7,700 children are in the foster care system in Georgia. Over around 13,500 children came to the foster care system during the 2012 year in the state of Georgia. There are over 186 incidents. Listen, this is, this is overwhelming. Over 186 incidents of child abuse and neglect reported every day in the state of Georgia. Faith Bridge, they received 113 calls for placement of children in foster homes in August and September because of a lack of families could only place 12. Listen, there are close to about 100, somewhere between 90 and 100 kids right now in Paulding County who are being farmed in the foster care system. They don't have enough homes. So they kind of just farm them out to different counties, different group homes, which some of them are okay, but none of them are great. And we began to pray and say, well, we've got about 300 people who come to Vintage and call Vintage home. Right? If you take all, if you take all of Vintage together, well, what if we just basically said to our county commissioners, well, we'll just be the answer to that problem. We'll be the answer to the foster care crisis in Paulding. Don't worry. I know you've got bigger churches, but we're better. Uh, right? No, seriously, that I'm getting at. Yes, God, we've heard the call, and unashamedly, God, we will answer that. And so I'm just coming to you this morning. We're going to talk more about it. Randall's going to share in a second about ways to get plugged in and things that we can do and events coming up. And I will say this to you. Listen, don't go, oh, my gosh, foster care. No, there are small steps, small things that you can do. There are big things that you can do. But I want to go ahead and put that there this morning. Very clearly, I'm going to talk about it this morning. God, we feel very clearly as, as, as lead visionary, which was one of my titles, quote, unquote, at Vintage, which is basically what God has, has committed to my care at Vintage. He says, Steve, I've called you to be lead visionary at Vintage. And, as I, and I would say this, I want you to hear this clearly. When we, we sit down with lots of people every year who come to us with some ministry, right? And they sit down and say, this is the thing you should do. And I sit down and say, God, what do you want us to do? Because we've committed at Vintage to not spread ourselves thin doing a bunch of ministries and not do any, many of them well, but to give ourselves just to a few specific things so we can maximize our reach and our output on those, right? It's the same reason we don't, we don't, miss, we don't do, have a ton of missionaries that we support so that, and, and, and just do little with them. We have a few missionaries and give them a lot because it has greater impact. And so as I sat with this, I sat with the Aragons and the Gunnermans and I talked through this, like God said, this is one of them. This is one of the few that you can get your entire church behind in some form or fashion. So as we dive into this this morning, the thought that I'm just going to go ahead and just be honest with you, the thought that you're not allowed to have. Can I do that? The thought that you're not allowed to have is, oh, this is great for somebody here. Isn't that what you normally do? How many of you listen to a message and go, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this, all right? No, the message this morning from God, very clearly, and I say this, 
This is the call of Vintage 242 Church. This is the call of Vintage 242 Church. If you call, we don't do membership here, but if you call Vintage home, you know who you are. You can't just now hide, pretend like you don't. Between the, before the Lord, if you call Vintage 242 home, I want to welcome you to the new ministry that God has for you. I want to welcome you. So, Rand, why don't you come tell us a little bit more about it and give us some specifics, please. Yes, I gotta go see Brooks. I gotta see him. That's big. There we go. Track me, dude. Hey, listen, we are uh, very, very excited about this, and on so many different levels. Um, you know, it's one of those neat things. How many of you know that you in, you should never stop praying for things that God has placed on your heart? Do you know that? That's why it's called. You persist in prayer. You intercede until there's breakthroughs. And we've been praying for for about five years now. Um, and I know this. I know. Here's the deal. I know it probably feels. There's probably, I know for you, sometimes it's a new thought, it's a new thing, and I get that, okay? There's a, level, there's a great level of compassion this morning of like, so I'm not expecting you to be honestly as excited as I am to be completely honest with you. I'm not expecting that. But I do, I do want us to come alongside. I want us to champion. I mean, here's the thing, guys. You know, I, I, I would love for the county commissioners in Paulding County to call me in a year and go, how did y'all do this? And go, well, we're awesome. No. To go, man, it's like, he's awesome, right? He's awesome. No. But seriously, do the whole, like, well, you know, be honest with you. Can we be completely honest with you how we did this? We rallied our people. We had a biblical conviction. We heard God's call to love children. And honestly, we just were willing to sacrifice because it's really difficult. But we did as a community together. And and it happened. And And so that's my desire this morning is, is to, to have such a, a degree of, of investment that we can actually fulfill God's vision for our church. How many of you know on our website, it says the vision of Vintage 242, that is to, is to bring about community transformation. 
right? And one of the words that Scott Crawford just in prayer and like a real like, you know, there's one thing when God speaks. There's another thing when it's like this prophetic weight behind it. And I use that word. If that scares you, I apologize. But it's a biblical word. So don't be afraid of it. Uh, This prophetic nature of God speaking into a moment. And he came just with this way. I'm not sure if he's in here right now, but there's just this weight when he was talking about it of saying, you know, God, I believe God's speaking to us, Steve, saying that it's not enough just to be to, to be speaking about something, but we have to actually be doing it. And and there was more to it, but that was the basic gist of it. It's like it's basically God's God's tired of us just talking about our vision of community transformation. Our, we need to actually pursue it. And and that's what I felt like God was speaking in, in that word and in, in this. It's you know. This is a this is a false this is a crisis. This is a foster care crisis. I gave you some of these numbers that are just they're staggering for me as I look at them. And and the fact is, it's like it's it's quote unquote just a hundred kids. I mean, we're just three hundred families. I mean, it's like the reality is there's and I asked Joanne and Gary and I and right here and, and I asked Jimmy when we were I said do um, are there any churches that are specifically right now going after these children in Paulding County and and they're like, as far as we know, there's not. Now, there are lots of churches in Cobb County, and you've got really, really massive churches, thousands and thousands of people, right? And they've got a few people doing some. And it's good. We're excited for them. But there's nothing going on in Paulding County, guys. And so my goal would be you know, to be, you know, I just want to be, to be honest, my vision and my goal and desire is that we would be, a, we would be the first call uh, of, of our county when there's something tragic going on. Is that fair to say, you know, like that there are bigger churches like I know right now, I think Westridge is probably a first call church for them because they have thousands of people. But can we be a one B like let's let's call Westridge and vintage. Can we be those churches? Right. Because we celebrate. Listen, I celebrate Westridge. For the, I know some of you came from Westridge. we celebrate them. They're awesome. Brian is a neighbor of mine. Right. They're doing great stuff. We celebrate them. Can, but can we link arms with these churches and, and, and change our community and literally transform it so that if God decided to close our doors because it had been 100 percent transformed and sent us somewhere else that wasn't, that all of our neighbors would weep. Right. That's what I want. I want our neighbors to weep if we close our doors because we've had such a transformation in the community in which we live. And let me just tell you something, that, and I said this to the Roar students the other night, that if we want to be people who actually transform the world as a church, God's going to make sure that we transform the local community first, because we can't do something there that we're not doing here. Okay? And so I want you to hear me say very clearly this morning that we feel a calling, but the second piece I want us to dive into this morning a little bit uh, is why, and, and it's the question of why. Why are we doing this? So I would want you to ask that. I would love for you to sit with me at, at Starbucks, at Waffle House, you can pay, and ask me, Steve, why do we feel called to do this? I'm just kidding, I'd pay for you, okay? But why, are we, why do you feel called to do this? And I'll say two things. Number one, there's just a dramatic calling. I've heard all of these stories, other people coming to me, and I've told them no. I've said no to missionaries who want support because we're just, we're, we're just saying yes to the one God calls us to say yes to, right? And, and, but we feel called of God. Like literally, I sat there, I was listening to them, I stopped listening to them because I was hearing the voice of God very clearly say, this is the unreached people groups that I am giving you. And I got excited. So that's the number one. And the second thing is this, and this is where we're going to dive in this morning. It's the conviction of Scripture, the conviction of Scripture. We have people who live within the bounds of the Holy Scriptures, right? And what it says, what it calls us to do. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to open up this, the, the conviction of Scripture for you in relationship to what we're talking about specifically in caring for the orphans of our community. We see it in James chapter 1, verse 27, a very succinct and, 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 and just very relevant verse in this, in this vein. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now, you're getting the weight of this, right? That religion that God our Father accepts, which means there's a type of religion he does not accept. Do you see the either or in this, okay? The one that he accepts is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted 
by the world. Religion that's pure and faultless before God is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, so let's just talk the polluted by the world real quick. It's real simple. It's a very simple thing. Pollution of the world is defined by our selfishness. Pollution of the world is the selfishness of the culture in which we live affects us so much that it leads us to sin. The pollution of the world is the sin that the world lives in, that they go after, and it's always birthed out of selfishness, isn't it? The I wants of the world, this idea of I want this, I want that, I don't care what's good over here, my self-gratification, I know this is bad for me, but I want it, so I go out there anyway. This whole nature of selfishness, myself, I don't care who I trample on, how I get there, right, the ends justify the means, all that kind of stuff, right, this nature of of selfishness. And so, because the idea here is that selfishness will produce in us a false religion, whereas a selflessness will lead us and call us to care for those in the greatest distress. Do you see that? Selfishness keeps my eyes focused on self so I see nothing out here that's actually in need of transformation. I'm living blind because I'm so focused on self. But in selflessness, I look up and go, the world is dying. What am I doing? And so the idea is James coming saying very clearly, listen, the pollution of the world, it will kill you, give you this, you'll, you'll dive into selfishness. I'm calling you now instead to live selfless. And it always is expressed in helping those that are in need, specifically here, orphans and widows. Throughout scripture, again and again and again, the poor represented as those for whom God fights and whom God defends. If you were to go study the scripture, three groups within the Israelite society who experienced poverty in a particularly harsh way were always known as the orphans, the widows, and the strangers. That, that defined definitely in the Old Testament, whenever, like there are lots and lots and lots of verses. There are over a thousand scriptures in all of the Bible that represent God's heart for the poor, his fighting for the poor, right? And so we see one in James 21, 27, because he is always fighting for who? Well, in their understanding, it was always it was the orphan, it was the widow, and it was the stranger. Why? Because these are the ones who had no access to resources and had no voice in their culture. And so when we come this morning and are talking about the poor equals for us this morning in our conversation, the orphan. Why? Because in our culture, the orphan represents the most voiceless in our community, the most at risk in our community. Why? Well, think about children, right? Think about children. All they can do is make noise, right? They can't defend themselves, right? They can't, they, they can't defend themselves. They can't go make money and get resources for themselves. They can't go, excuse me, this is what I need and do this nice like argument, like a closing argument from some lawyer to get what they need, right? They just go, I'm hungry, whatever it may be. I miss my mom. That's about all they got. They're the most at risk, they're the most needy, and I'm going to tell you in our community that this group represents the most biblical understanding of the poor. There's other, other expressions, but for our understanding this morning, one, I'll say one up, one of the most clear representations of the poor in our community the most at risk. And so, so in Scripture, right, we see this understanding that, that the call of God, I want you to hear this, I'm going to back it up, the, the clearest call of God in Scripture is to, work with the, is to work with the poor and to bring salvation to the lost. And so this call then to the poor, listen, it's not some unique individual calling that you receive where God says, hey, I've called you to work with the poor. You're like, oh, I didn't have to do that before, but because you've called me now in a unique calling, I have to. I'm telling you, the biblical, the biblical expectation is a mandate and a command as soon as you give your life to Jesus to be like Jesus and to give your life to the at risk and poor of our community and of our world. How do I know that? Well, let's look at some scriptures and just let scripture tell you without me having to. Verse chapter 19, verse 17 of Proverbs. 
One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Not the poor person, but God, right? One who is gracious to the poor man lends to the Lord. Do you see that? I mean, don't miss that. As I go and help this orphan in foster care, I'm helping Jesus. Don't miss that, right? And he will repay you for your good deed. I mean, listen, I don't do things so I can get something from God. I do something to be obedient, but I sure am thankful when he blesses me. Do you see that? Don't miss that. Some people in some communities of faith, they say, do this and God will give you whatever you want. That's an anti-gospel. What God says is, be obedient. That's all that matters. And because I love you, I will pour myself out upon you in the way that I want. I will bless you with my presence, right? So this whole, so God, do you do it for the poor? Or are you doing it for God? Deuteronomy 15, 11. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, it's important, I command you. Everybody say command. Don't miss this word. We don't like this one in our culture, right? There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. We don't like the word command because it makes us do something. So we don't feel like doing, but God commanded it because he says, this is what my followers do. In fact, if you don't realize, in John 15, 11, Jesus quoted this verse from Deuteronomy and said to his disciples who were getting frustrated, why? Because this woman came, broke open this perfume that was worth a lot of money, one year's wages, and Judas and his holiness said, she could have sold that and given it to the poor. And Jesus said, well, I've already told you in Deuteronomy, you'll always have the poor among you. She did this in worship. You go care for the poor because that's your mandate. So he just takes John 15, 11 and says, I'm taking Deuteronomy 15, 11. I'm making you do it all over again. So he comes into whatever John 15, I, well, I said verse 11. It wasn't 15, 11. It was, yeah, 15, 11, 15, 11, Deuteronomy. Isn't that cool how God did that? John 15, 11 and John, Deuteronomy 15, 11. I'm just saying it's kind of cool how that works out. I'm sure it was all surprised. Anyway, so Psalm 12, 5. Because the poor are plundered. This is beautiful, y'all. I want you to put yourself in this scripture as if you were Jesus. Okay. Now, that's all, I, I said in humility, not really, you're not really Jesus, right? You don't getting that right. But as if you are, because the, plo- the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them, who come against them. I mean, guys, I don't, I don't, you can't miss this. I mean, this should like make you go, what have I done to hurt the poor? Because what it says is, you, have you ever seen a dad arise in a moment when their child's being attacked. I mean, I've seen it. My six foot four, 225 pound dad. I, he, something's happened to me. And all of a sudden that boy stands up. His face turns red. He grows to six foot nine immediately and 300 pounds in everybody's eyes. And he is coming down on somebody. You don't want dad to arise. You don't want that to happen. And dad arises right here because the poor are taken advantage of. They are plundered. They groan. And so dad says, mm, 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 mm. it's time to get up right now. Who's messing with my kid? Who's doing it? You doing it? Oh, I'm coming down on you. That's just how he rolls, right? So that's, just, that's Bible there, right? Psalm 140.12. Why does he do it? Because I know that the Lord, this is, oh, this is beautiful. I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. God is just. He brings about justice. He fights for the needy. He fights for the children. He fights for those at risk. He fights and be, he becomes the voice for those who don't have a voice. Because he is just. Proverbs fourteen twenty three. you see in scripture here, right? You can't deny it. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Businessmen, hear me. Go read Isaiah 58. There is no such thing as just business before the Lord. I want you to hear this. This is for businessmen and women. There is no such thing as just doing business. There is only kingdom business. And if you have people in your midst who are struggling financially, who are overwhelmed and they can't survive, and you fire them, you're in danger. 
That's for somebody this morning. Because whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. 1 Timothy 6.18, Paul wants to make sure that the wealthy understand what he commands of them. How many of you know I've told you before, if you have a home, a roof over your head, you have a car, and you've got three meals a day, represent one of the 1% wealthiest in the world. Do you know that? If you have that, you're wealthy. Here's what he commands. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. Does that sound anything familiar like the real life we've been talking about? So basically what he's saying is, if they want to take hold of their real life, then I command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Who are you generous and willing to share with? Who needs? Well, the needy, the poor, the at risk, right? And so he's coming and saying, you have to devote yourself as a command every day of your life as a follower of Jesus, not a special unique calling to give yourself to the needy and the poor for you to enter into your real life. Matthew 25, very familiar, right? Verse 40 says, The king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What is he talking about? He's saying, when you feed the hungry, when you give drink to the thirsty, when you invite the stranger in because they have no house over their head, right? To give clothes to those who are naked and to look after those who are sick and to go visit those who are in prison. Or to take an orphan who has no home and is being sent out to some massive group home where abuse happens in the midst of it. Just talk to someone who lived in a, in a group home for a period of time. Have you ever? Is, is overwhelming. That's all I'm going to say. I, it's, I wish I could tell you stories, but there are children in the room. I'm not saying it's always like that, but in a lot of them it's like that. I've known children. I've known experiences. I've, I've heard of them across the world. It's overwhelming. He says, you did it to the least of these. Never forget, you did it for Jesus. See, the idea for us is very simple. The word I told you that God gave us is that you can't be about speak just words anymore. Like, you can't just be, I'm a Christian, and you're good to go to heaven, right? No, to be a Christian means that there's a command on you. You take up your cross and follow him. You offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You go and make disciples, right? And you give yourself to those who are in need. And so you have this dynamic going on, right? Because the idea for us is talk is cheap. Listen, I've gone through seasons in my life where I, was, I have communication as one of my top five talents and strengths in the strength finders test. I can talk my way out of anything or into anything. I had this whole communication thing down. It's just a gift, right? But it's also a curse because I can speak all the time and not have my life matching up. And God's saying very clearly in this season and day and age, that won't cut it, guys. I know when you are bluffing, when you are bullying me, right? Talk is cheap. So for us, we've come, and I think it's beautiful, we've come into the season of Lent. We said it's a season leading up to, to resurrection, leading up to Easter, right? We said last couple weeks ago, in the past week, it's a season of preparation. It's a season of preparation. The preparation is this action on our part, right? It's a season of action which we recognize in our lives, right? In our own lives. Listen, we recognize in our own lives the areas, and the areas that are lacking spiritual vitality, right? That, that, we're, that we're turning away from our sin and action. We're, we're going after God in hopes of resurrection, right? The birth of our real life in Jesus. We're in a season of intentionality. We're in a season of going after him. Lent, we said, the four pieces historically of Lent, there's, there's the acknowledgement and repentance of sin. God, what are the errors in my life that are, that are sin, that are wrong, I need to get rid of, God? What are things that are maybe not even wrong? Listen, things that, listen, this is one of the great things about following Jesus. There might not be sin in your life, but there are things in your life that are distracting you from Jesus, just get rid of them, right? Not necessarily sin. Like I had to go the other day, complete transparency. You know, I love fishing and got a boat now for a season that I'm trying to sell, but I'm going to use it while it's here. I was in prayer that morning and God said, do I own your boat or do you? I went, 
you're making me get rid of it. <laughs> right? I do that right now. Right? And I had to, like, for an hour, I had to, like, wrestle with the Lord. Like, God, I've been, I spent more time thinking about finding my joy in fishing than in you. I had this, like, so I like, okay, God, I give, I give fishing to you. If you want to take away fishing, I'll take, give it away, I'll give it to you. If you want a boat, you can have it, right? And just, just give me clarity. And all of a sudden, he, listen, this is crazy. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but like literally in the moment, he broke my passion, for, like the, the unhealthy passion. And now it's, and it's at the right place as a gift from God to me, right? And so that's what we're talking, this Lent season is taking things that may be even good God things, but he's like, and gifts, but, but you've made too much of them. So Lent's about the season of preparation. God, take those things, prepare my heart for you for the coming of, of Easter, right? The coming of resurrection. God, uh, the season of, uh, of fasting. God, this cause putting all of our hope in him, right? Not in the food we eat, whatever it may be. And, and the other, other part of it is the giving of alms. So that's not a phrase we use all the time in church today, I know, okay? But the giving of alms historically simply meant, meant this. It, listen, any, sorry, I forgot to put on the screen again. Any material favor, any material favor done to assist the needy is prompted by charity. Oh, good job, right? Hey, hey, man. You get a gold star, man. I'll give you a dollar when I get done. Hey, uh, Scott McMath, give your son a dollar. All right. So the next thing is it goes almsgiving implies a material service rendered to the poor for Christ's sake. Right. Not doing, doing it for Jesus. Listen, I've been in India when, uh, when uh, Ramadan's going on. They had the Muslims who are out there and they're giving alms like one day. Right. And they're going through and you just see them like they got like loads of money. It's like throwing out money to the poor. Right. Throwing out money, throwing out money. Throwing, and there's lots of poor in India. Right. They're throwing out money, throwing out money, never once engaging them. And we're not talking about that. We're not. I mean, I mean we're just as our culture. We are so bad about throwing money at something, aren't we? It's like the easy way out. But what we're talking about almsgiving being is this, and this biblical understanding of it would be, I am giving of myself, not my leftovers, but the best of my time, my money, my energy, and my resources to those that are at risk and in need and obedience to the command of God. Not once a year, not, one, not once a year, not just one day over here, but as a lifestyle of giving myself to him. And to those that are in need. This is the nature of God's call to the church in the season of talking about faith bridge and talking about the, the orphans and coming alongside and aiding them and being a help for them. This is the idea of God. In this season, I'm embracing the action of helping those that are at risk and in need because it's the call that you have for anybody who's a follower of Jesus, and I don't get to pick and choose on what those are. You see, when we talk about being in the season of Lent and the season of Easter, the great tragedy is that we think that Easter's for me. Right? Christ died for me. And we leave it there. Or we think that the Gospels or the letters or the epistles or the Bible is written for individuals. But how many of you know that every epistle written by Paul was written to an entire church? How many of all the Gospels, they, would, they were to be shared. They were written after, long after Jesus died. And they were written for the purpose of encouraging the church as a whole. And so they would sit there in front of the entire church. It could be, five, it could be three, it could be five, ten, fifteen, a hundred, three hundred, whatever it may be. And they would read it out loud for everyone to hear. And so then the command that was given was received as a corporate command that they would be working together in caring for the poor. I mean, I wish I had pulled this quote out, but one of my favorites is this Roman emperor who is talking about this sect, right? This pagan sect known as Christians. And he said, they are shaming us because they are caring for our poor and they're all flocking to them in droves. How many of you know in the book of Acts, I've already said it's been chapter two, three, four, when the church grew by the thousands, it wasn't because of the miracles that were being done that kept them there. They celebrated it. That what drew them in was how well Christians were loving everyone in the city. And taking the poor and the needy and saying, oh, you have a home with us. Let us give wealthy the millionaire saying, come and live in my house and partake of my food and fellowship with me. And we'll share the gospel that the, the, the apostles teaching together. Acts 242. 
1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why? Well, we see down later, I'm just going to share, it says, it says it's a stumbling block to the Jews because they celebrated power, they celebrated influence, and they celebrated wealth. They expected a conquering king to come. The, it was foolishness for Greeks because they celebrated wisdom and found salvation in philosophy and wisdom and knew that only criminals died on a cross. So we see in verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what you find, Christ crucified seems foolish to the wealthy. It seems foolish to the wise. It seems foolish to the powerful, right? And they have no, they have no grasp. But, but, but who are the people then? Who are the ones who got it? Who are the ones who celebrated? Who are the, who are the ones here, the, the ones who are being saved? It says in verse 26, brothers and sisters. Now I want you to hear this. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. I want you to kind of think about the cross. Think about the, the, the humility and the sacrifice and the service of Jesus on the cross and what it expressed. And I want you to see what happens with these, these people in 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential and powerful. And, noble, and not many of you were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Do you see the foolish people he's talking about are the, the broken and the oppressed and the hurting and the outcasts here? Because how many of you know that that people who walk in the power of the cross don't go after power. They don't demand God to give them money because they did something in obedience, looking for wealth. They don't look to be influential in the sense of trying to exalt themselves above others. What do they do? They treat others as if they are equal with them. They humble themselves and not to get, listen, this is important. They don't humble themselves to get on their level. They humble themselves to get below them and serve them by washing their feet and helping them in need. How many of you know that when Jesus walked around, the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors, all those people who were the worst sinners of sinners, saw Jesus as someone who was just a dude that they could be do a life with and be friends with, and he would receive them. Now, he would tell them to go and sin no more because it was killing them, but he would enter into their world and love them and be with them and serve them. And that's the reason these people followed them, because Anyone who expresses the humility and the sacrifice and the service of Jesus in every facet of their life, inside the four walls, at work, in their neighborhood, then everyone just seems to want to be around them because they don't judge them. I mean, there are church people who judge people and they don't like church people because they get judged by them. They just want to be with us and they're attracted to us. Why? Because we assist the power of the cross. It's the power of the sacrifice. It's the power of the humility. It's the power of service. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame and not saying, I don't care if they think I'm a criminal. Those who know what it's all about, the broken, the hurting, the marginalized, and the lost will understand. And this will give me access into their life. And they will love me and I will love them. This morning, this is the call of God for us. True religion is a life of loving, serving, and fighting for the at-risk, the poor, the needy, and the lost. It's the call of God and the command that he gives to his children. 
It's not a weighty command, and now you have to try to figure it out. No, I'm telling you this. Let me tell you something. When you take a step in one of the Psalms or the Proverbs, one of these verses of going and aiding the poor, do you know who's right? all of a sudden who runs up right beside you like a breath in the sails of your life? The Holy Spirit. If you want a release of the Holy Spirit in your life, a release of the newness and the freshness of Jesus, begin serving in humility and sacrificing your life among the at-risk poor. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Jesus is like, I was just waiting for you to get, get, get active and do something in obedience as a command I gave you. Well, thank you. Thank you for the command. You're welcome. Let's pray. Jesus, as we sit here this morning, God, I just want to acknowledge as in all honesty, Lord, that this is difficult. Lord, living sacrificially is so countercultural, uh, so countercultural to what we know. God, it's so it actually requires us to um, to die to our our time, our wealth. We have to give it to you and hand it over and let you do as you will with it. And if I always confess, we're really really bad at that. God, we're really good at hoarding things and holding on to things and demanding my time and saying I don't have time to do that. And we're really good at that. I pray, Jesus, this morning that you would um, that you just awaken us to the lordship that you have in our life. That, God, you can demand things because it's your God. Now, you do it in a loving way, but you, you do. And, and I pray this morning that you would simply awaken us to your heart. That, Father, as we begin to move towards you in, these, in obedience, that you would pour your, out, your heart out to us. So we begin to do this out of just the motivation of compassion and grace and mercy and love. God, this morning, we thank you for the call that you have at Vintage for the for the at-risk, the orphans in our community. God, thank you that we are taking steps towards being the answer in Paulding County. I want to pray for other churches, God, that we can link arms with and run with together. And God, if someone, if someone becomes the... Pro- Listen, God, I want to say this in front of everybody. It's, I just can I just give this to you. God, if somebody else becomes the faith, the face of Faithbridge in Paulding County, that's fine. Let's give that to you, God, because I want, it doesn't matter if we're seen, it's a matter that you're seen in our community. And so, Father, if we become a second and we become a helper down here, then that's fantastic. But raise up other churches, God, to, 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 to answer this faith, this um, foster care crisis in our community. All right, Lord, we love you. Let me pray this in your name. Amen. This morning, uh, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to respond in some way. If you need to go this morning, I know I spoke long, so we already had to leave. That's fine. If you need to go, that's great. Um, just have a great day. I continue to pray into these things. Uh, there will be uh, Chuck and will be outside. Faith Bridge will be outside over here. You can go talk to them, and they can answer any question that you have. I am, I'm going to be honest with you. I want every single person at Vintage to at least sign up for the informational meeting. One of the things that Bill came up and he said, I have a word from the Lord. I apologize, Bill. I couldn't get to that. But I want to, one of the pieces he said, and you immediately said it, and I want to just name this. Faith. His word is on faith. Faith is taking steps in which there's no vision of the step in front of us. And so this morning, there's faith in decisions you're making. There's faith in the decisions we're making in this. Because to take steps like this requires a faith and a trust and a confidence and a belief in Jesus, not in my own abilities. And it, and it expresses itself in lots of others. There are those of you this morning that this is a, the word of God for you is a message of faith. You need, you need to trust Jesus and to believe him that what he said is true. The steps he's commanded you to take, he will empower and he will be with you on the other side. So the word this morning for us is that this is a step of faith that we're taking as a church. That I'm inviting you and it's asking you to come to this meeting. It's a step of faith. It's to say, God, I'm taking the step of faith. It's one small step, but I want to hear, I want to learn, I want to understand, God, so I can take the next step that you have for me. I invite you this morning to pray into whatever that looks like. If it's respite, if it's making meals, if it's being foster parents. Let's pray this morning. Let's ask God to raise that up inside of us. You respond as the Lord leads. We have ministry teams that are available on both sides, right? They're coming as we speak. If you come this morning and say, I'm just in desperate need. I, one of the pictures I got, had this morning with the Lord in prayer was, you know, Steve, you're going to share this message about people coming, but there are those who are still lying on their mats and they can't even get up, right? You're like, someone's like, it's like you've been carried this morning on your mat and need a feeling at the Bible story, right? 
You've been, you're saying, I, can't, I would love to get up and do that, Steve. I can't. Then God wants to bring healing this morning. He wants to bring healing. We have those teams that can pray for you. Just praying healing, praying salvation, praying redemption, whatever it may be. All right? So you respond as the Lord leads. We have our offering here. First time guest, fill a connect card. Just leave that card on your chair. But I want to say this morning, again, make an offering, whether it's financial in nature, if you're giving your heart, your life, saying, God, I commit myself to you and I give myself to you as an offering. Just put your hand over the basket. Make that offering as pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Okay? All right. You guys have a great week. I love you. And uh, we'll see you soon. And our Father, all of heaven rules your name. Sing it louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Our Father, all of heaven rules your name. Sing it louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Spirit break out. Break our walls down Spirit break out Heaven come down Our Father Our Father All of heaven rules your name Sing it loud. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Spirit break out.